Welcome to the Beyond the Box War podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Matt Graves. Coach Graves is an assistant coach at Mount St. Mary's, a Division I program in Maryland. Coach, how's it going? Good, very good. How are you? Doing well. Can you go ahead and give yourself a yeah, for sure. So it's Matt Graves. I'm uh, an assistant coach at Mount St. Mary's University in, in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Um, originally from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, so PG County, um, Maryland. Home, born and raised, and went to school out in uh, Belmont, North Carolina, at Belmont Abbey College. Uh, played for Coach Stephen Miss, and, and you know was able to play overseas for for a year um, in Ireland, and then kind of got right into coaching from there. Um, really love coaching. The, the whole reasoning and kind of way I got into it is very interesting, and, you know, I love what I do. And I've never they, – they always say, you know, you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, and I definitely feel that way uh, up till now for sure. Awesome, Coach. You know, talk about growing up in PG County. Um, it was it was great. It was one of those things. I played at Riverdale Baptist, so I played for a legendary coach, Coach Lou Wilson, who, who's won a ton of games, was in the McDonald's All-American game as a coach. Um, and really, really, that's where my love started. Um, I played baseball a lot when I was younger, but, um, you know, I – basketball kind of had a had something in my heart where it was like man I can I can do this and I really love doing it and you know playing it in PG County you always play against the best you know what I'm saying like at Riverdale guys like Mike Beasley Nolan Smith they were they were sophomores when I was freshman they went to Riverdale um Devin Sweetney who's still playing I think um I'm pretty sure he's still playing but he played – those are the guys I really looked up to coming up um, and then played with Thomas Robinson, who um, was the fourth round – fourth pick in the draft. Uh, I forget what year it was. But, you know, playing playing against those guys day in and day out um, and obviously play with so many other guys that played Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, um, and everything. So – Playing in that kind of area really was challenging, obviously, but at the same time, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You're playing against the best every night, which was kind of cool. I love it. You know, you obviously end up at Belmont Abbey, but what was your recruitment like? Any schools in the area uh, that, you know, really uh, was in it till the end? Um, it, It's crazy. I was playing, I was always like, a division, I, I felt like I was a division, low division one player, but, you know, division two was the level I should have been at, and it's the level I went. Um, obviously, there was a ton of D3s in the area, like St. Mary's, Salisbury, a ton of D3s that wanted me, um, wanted me to come. And then, at the time, the only division two um, in Maryland was Bowie State. Uh, now Frostburg stays in Division Two too, but there were all 
that's why a lot of what those West Virginia schools kind of recruit. So I had an offer from Davis and Elkins too. I uh, went up to Willing Jesuit for a visit and all that, but um, it was crazy. My my trips down to visit my grandma in Alabama, we always would stop in the North Carolina area because that was about halfway. And so, you know, when I was looking at schools, I was looking kind of in that North Carolina area and Barton College, um, which is a Division two in the same league as Belmont Abbey, recruited me probably the longest um coach zimmerman and leavency really recruited me a lot they recruit the dc area northern virginia as well quite a lot um and so they recruited me but when i went up to belmont abbey i think it was the proximity proximity to charlotte that kind of pushed it over the edge and obviously playing for coach miss who was my mom loved, my mom loved Coach Miss, so <laughs> that made it. And, you know, when mom says, hey, you know, I think you should go here, most of the time you listen. So um, so it was, that's kind of why I went to Belmont Abbey, and, and obviously I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for a while. I definitely made the, the right decision. That's awesome. You know, your senior year, I know you shot a field. You had a solid role play. Mm-hmm. What was it like practicing with guys like Richard Barbie? I'm imagining you have to cover time during practice. Yeah, so like me, like Rich is my best friend. <laughs> like Rich is my guy. So I I roomed with Rich his his senior year, my junior year, um, and like I talked to Rich just about every day. But it's one of those things like whenever we whenever we were on the court on opposite teams, we'd go, we'd go at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Rich was 2,000-point scorer at Belmont Abbey, like, really good. But whenever it got through those, into those lines, like, I didn't care who he was, what he could have been my roommate, whatever. Like, we were going at it. And kind of the, the cool thing about it was after that, like we go back to the dorms and hang out, play video games, and we be best friends again. And it was the same way with like Tyrone Sheffy, Kyle Phillips, like a lot of the guys, Alonzo Long. Like me and Alonzo, we played the same position, and we'd be battling in practice all the time, nonstop. But then once we got back to the dorms, like we're hanging out and laughing, joking, and you know giving each other a hard time, like, hey, you can't you can't guard me, you know, and late at night we go in the gym and, and practice and play and all that stuff. So, and that was kind of the, one of the reasons why we, we were somewhat successful as well. We kind of had that, that bond, and I still, I still talk to all those guys almost every day. Um, we're in a group chat and, and all that, so. It was, it was fun. It was, again, like, it was, I grew up in PG County where you're playing against the best and at Belmont Abbey, having Rich and different guys to push you like that. I think that's what it's all about, to get the best out of you, you know. I love hearing that. You know, so many guys, you know, it's D1 or bust, and it's, man, let me go out to the middle of absolutely nowhere and fly over <laughs> state. If I can say I played Division One. It's like you never talk to your teammates after you graduate. It's like you can't wait to get out of mm-hmm. it. 
So that's awesome that you guys are still in the group chat. Yeah, it's and like and that and that's what it's all about. Like that's that's what we we tell of all of our guys. It's like, hey, you're not. This isn't just a four year decision. This is a, a forty year, fifty year decision. You know, like you're gonna be you're gonna be tied to those guys that you play with, and you might not see eye to eye all the time with them. But at the end of the day, like like Rich Rich is my brother. Like I consider him like family, you know, like our families hang out with each other. Like I know if I'm ever in the Virginia beach area, I can always stay at Rich's parents' house and vice versa if he's ever in the PG County area, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's a great bond that we have, you know, and not just with Rich, but with all my, my other teammates as well. You know, after your, uh, career at Belmont Abbey, you were awarded the Victor Scholarship from uh, Sports Kansas mm-hmm. Talk about that experience. You know, I, I had a player who I uh, took the when he actually defended that. So, I think Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So, after, it, I'll, I'll go from the beginning. So, it was kind of it was kind of crazy how it happened. I, I graduated and I had a job at Hertz uh, rental car. Um, and like I was totally fine doing that. My my, I guess my vision for that was obviously work at Hertz and then volunteer at Belmont Abbey because I knew I wanted to get into coaching, um, and I obviously I knew I wanted to make a little bit of money. I couldn't, I didn't want to go back home and everything. So um, that was kind of my plan initially, and then it was very random. I. I had been sitting, I was sitting on my, my dad, I was back at home in Maryland, just kind of between a transition time between me starting at Hertz and me graduating. And it was this weird number that kept calling me. And so I don't know what made me answer it this one day. It was like a Saturday. I don't know what made me answer it, but I answered it. And it was Gareth McGuire, the founder of Sport Changes Life. And he had obviously he had an Irish accent. I couldn't, I could barely understand what he was saying. But he said, "Hey, yeah." He was like, "Hey, you know, um, you filled out the application. You didn't fully fill it out. Fill it out. Are you still interested?" And I, honestly, I had no clue. I forgot I filled it out, all that. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, I'm interested." He's like, "Okay, well, go back online, fill out, you know, the whole." the whole uh, application, and then we'll kind of go from there. So I immediately go to my computer, fill it out. I get on a, I guess it was a Skype. It's not Zoom. I'm used to saying Zoom, but back then it was Skype. (laughs) Um, Got on a Skype call and met with him and his wife. His wife's name is Deirdre Brennan. And, you know, we talked, kind of, they interviewed me, quote-unquote, and then, next couple of days they said hey you got the victory scholarship and so pretty much the scholarship was it was a great buffer for me because I knew I wasn't really done playing like I was in terms of um like my mentality I still wanted to play um but at the same time like I wasn't as you said like my senior year I averaged I want to say 10 in conf 10 10 points, like six, seven rebounds in conference. So 
I was a role player, which was which was good for me. You know, I, I kind of did what I did, but um, but it was a good buffer for me to, you know, I was playing in the in the highest league in Ireland, um, or second highest, sorry, second highest league in Ireland. But also, I got to coach a senior men's team, so the Premier League, which is kind of like a local league men's team. And then um, it's crazy, my first real coach job was a 13 and under and 14 and under girls team <laughs> which is crazy so um i have a pretty much really kind of short story so my first game coaching that under 13 game there was a girl named grace um and she this is her first time ever playing basketball ever playing um and in Ireland, in this league, everybody had to play the same amount. So you had ten players, five of them obviously played the whole first quarter, the next five played second quarter, so on, third quarter, fourth quarter. And so this is Grace's first game, and this is a true story. Um, she's playing everything, and next thing you know, the ball's on the opposite end. We're on offense, and we're playing 4v5. And I'm like, okay, where's where's our fifth player? And I look at the bench, and Grace, like, just walks off the court onto the bench and is, like, drinking water or something like that. So I look at Deirdre, who's on the bench with me, and I go over to Grace, and I'm like, Grace, like, what? Like, you're supposed to be in. What are you doing? She looks at me, and she says, Coach, I'm tired. Like, I'm really tired. I didn't know it was all – I didn't know it was like this. Like, I'm really, really tired. And so I called timeout, talked to Grace, she goes back in, all that. Um, and so then, and this is, like I said, a lot of you not. End of, end of the year, we're in the championship game, and our best player, Enya, who now she's playing Division One basketball, she's, she's playing Division One basketball at Houston Baptist. I think Enya gets in foul trouble or she's like, She's not all the way in it. I can't really remember, but we're down. Oh, it's tied. We're in overtime. The same girl, Grace, who could not, did not want to play. She was tired, all that. She gets two steals, goes off the left foot, right hand layup. Both times, we're up four. Next thing, she gets a steal. She kicks it up to the youngest player on the team, Aaron. She gets a layup and scores. Right, and I'm sitting here like, wow, this is the same girl at the beginning of the year. She didn't want to play, and that kind of that kind of got me like it was almost like a, a sign to me like like I need to be doing this, you know. Like you see, you see a transformation, a girl, and just over you know a couple months, you see the transformation of this girl who never played before. She's really her mom signed her up probably just to be social. She was really quiet. Um, and then at the end of the year, she gets two steals in a championship game to win the under-13, under-14 uh, championship. And then her mom comes up to me and says, you know, Grace had an unbelievable time on your team. You know, she's definitely going to play again next year and all that. And so um, – I really I always say that I always tell people that's where I found out my why. You know, everybody 
everybody says, you know, you got to have a why when you get into coaching and you always are going to revisit it. And I found out my why wasn't just obviously to win championships and all that, but it was to help young people. And going over to Ireland, part of the Victory Scholarship really helped me discover my why and what I wanted to do pretty much for my, the rest of my life, hopefully. That's great, Coach. <laughs> So was your your first coaching job back in the States at Belmont Abbey, or I know you were at McDaniel for a little bit. Yeah, so my my first – so right after I left Ireland um, is one of the things, like I said, I knew what I wanted to do, and I was was willing to go wherever. Um, I was applying to jobs left and right. Um, and so then Coach Curley at McDaniel um, essentially gave you my shot, you know, gave me a shot. I was fresh out of that. Um, and the great thing, again, at the Victory Scholarship, I got a master's degree when I was over there, too, in Ireland, which was awesome. Um, but I took a grad assistant job at McDaniel literally just to get in. Like, I didn't I didn't want to have to get another master's, but um, – you know, I was I was starting to to go in that route um, again just to get into coaching, and then that was that was the crazy part. I was at McDaniel, I think I started in August, and then in about mid September, Coach Miss called me. Um, he called me and said, "Hey, I might have an opening spot at Belmont Abbey. Do you want it?" And, you know, I was, I mean, that, like, that's, that's my job, you know, that, like, I, 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 that's my alma mater, I really wanted to be there, um, and so, one thing led to another, I felt bad, obviously, Coach Curley gave me my first shot to get into coaching, um, but I give a lot of credit to Coach Curley, he was just like, like, look, full-time positions don't happen very often, and so, like, and it's your alma mater, like, I'll be fine here. Um, you know, you need to, you need to go, you need to go to Belmont Abbey and, and do that, you know, so, and that, that takes a lot, you know, that's it, because I, I know I wasn't the only person he had in mind for the GA job at that time, but he gave it to me, and, you know, I, I had fully thought I was going to be at McDaniel at least for a year or two, you know, but, I was only there for two months, which is which is crazy. Real it's a tough decision. Lucky I haven't been that one. You have to guarantee him like a buy game at some point. It's funny. It's funny. Like I try, I try to, I try to take care of it. Like we're we're working on it right now, but. I think the COVID stuff is, oh, is putting a hold on awesome well, things. You, know, you, you end up at Belmont Abbey, and you stay there for six years. You know, first of all, how many different head coaches did you technically serve under? And mm-hmm. what was it like to be back as an employee, not necessarily a peer? Yeah, so, yeah, Belmont Abbey is obviously it's home for me. Um but to answer your first question, I was 
I was there really, truthfully, I was there under four head coaches. So, um, Coach Biss, yeah, yeah, it, it's very unique. It was very unique. <laughs> um, the my first head coach, obviously, Coach Miss. Coach Miss was there, and essentially brought me back. He was serving dual role as an AD and head coach, and so. I think it really took a toll on him uh, doing both roles, and so he chose to be the AD. And then uh, the next person that had a job was Coach Unger, who was the associate head under Coach Miss. So I, I didn't know Coach Unger going into um, the job. only person I knew was Coach Miss, but I learned a ton from Coach Unger. Like, Coach Unger was there – day-to-day, while Coach Miss, obviously, he was doing both roles. And so Coach Unger um, really taught me that it was more – there was more stuff than just on-the-court coaching, you know what I'm saying? In Ireland, like, that, I did practice games. And then when I went to Belmont Abbey, you know, it was, it was you know, compliance stuff. It was paperwork. It was all – it was gear orders. It was all types of different stuff that if I didn't have Coach Unger there, I wouldn't have been able to kind of navigate that part of the coaching. And he really helped me a lot, uh, just simply because Coach Miss was, you know, doing two jobs, essentially. Um, And so I served under Coach Unger for two years. um, And then uh, after that, Coach Taylor came in. um, And Coach Taylor obviously – is a Division One head coach. I, I to this day, I still don't, I still don't know how Coach Miss pulled that off, getting Coach Taylor to Belmont Abbey because he was, he's unbelievable coach, like unbelievable X and O's, um, and everything, everything that he did had a reason. Like there's some head coaches that they might do stuff, and you ask like, hey, why, like, why are we doing it this way? And the answer might be, oh, I've always done it that way, whatever. Whereas Coach Taylor literally had a reason for every way we did something. Um, and so it really um, – I'm really fortunate. And, and kind of the climate we are now, um, he, gave me, he gave me a great role model as a young African-American coach um, – to see how you're supposed to be, you know, your perception, how that means, and how you carry yourself, and how you run your program. Um, and you know, he was—he's—I um, still talk to him a lot. Um, he's at University of Iowa now, but um, yeah, he was—he's unbelievable, unbelievable role model for not only our guys when we were at Belmont, but also. Um, the coaches, me and Coach Saunders. And then I was there. So Coach Taylor left to Iowa, and then Coach Fickey got the job. And probably I was there for, like, a couple weeks or something, and then I came to to Mount St. Mary. So it was was a very unique situation where, you know, sometimes you stay a place for six years under one person, and you only get – you know, one point of view of how to do things where I was at a play, I was at Belmont Abbey for, for six years and 
got four different ways of doing things, which was which was awesome. Um, and being an employee at your alma mater, like it was it was fine. It was it was very easy for me because all the head coaches, so everyone I I worked under would always come to me and say, Hey, who do I need to talk to about this? Do you have a relationship with the registrar? Do you have a and all these people on the other side of campus, like I was a student and I dealt with day to day, you know, so they knew me, I knew them, I knew exactly who to go to with certain problems. Um, and so that I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to stay on for multiple uh, head coaches is provide value, just knowing the school, knowing the student athletes that succeed there, and just being being one too. You know, being a student athlete that had a good four years and oh, great. Um, you know won a lot of games there. Got the job and. <laughs> I think I had texted you, like, hey, are you, uh, are you paying on? You're like, I'd like to. I shoot him a text, like, you're an idiot if you don't keep this guy. <laughs> I said, Vic, I love you, man, but, you know, you got to you gotta keep this guy. If he wants to set him on, like, he's like, oh, I have no, I have no, no getting rid of him. He's awesome. And then a few weeks later, you land the, the job at Mount. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was like I said. It was um, yeah. Coach Vicky's a, a great dude. I still during the quarantine, I, I talked to him about um, a couple guys, and he's asked he's asked me to to speak on some things with with all the um, racial injustice stuff going on um, with with the school and everything. So um, so yeah. It's I mean it's been. Awesome. It's been good. He's, you know, yeah, it's been good so when far. When you're coaching not here to work camps in the off season, what are some of the camps that you've worked over the years? Um, so once I once Division Two, once I was in Division Two, like it was, uh, I just worked like our our camps that we ran. Um, but growing up. I worked the Pocono Invitational, so Pocono Invitational is a hoop group, hoop group deal, and I still remember um, going up there. You stay in cabins. Um, it's literally for the love of love of the game, love of coaching, really. Um, and then as an internship, upon graduation, there was a company called uh, Yes I Can Basketball in Charlotte, and I did my internship with them and worked camps and, and things like that as well. So um, in terms of in terms of getting experience coaching, I, I think camps are great. Obviously also networking and, and things like that um, has been has been great to me, especially with Hoop Group. You know, I've I've met a couple guys through Hoop Group and you know, just kept in touch with them. And it's amazing, like, give you an example, Martin McCann, who's a, a JUCO head coach at Daytona Daytona State, I believe. Um, literally, me and him, we both worked hoop group, and, like, now he's at JUCO, and I talked to him about guys he's got and, and things like that. Um, another guy, 
Matt Schubert, who's he's the strength coach at Barton. Like he worked hoop group camp, so it's always it's always interesting to see, you know, where everybody's at, even after. Like I think I was still playing when I met those guys, and we all were still playing. Now we're now one's a JUCO head coach, and the other one's the head strength conditioning coach at at a, a Division two school. You know, so um, camps are great. Definitely get that experience um, as much as possible. Uh, I said Division two. There, there are some limitations, um, but even even like I got the experience the last I want to say the last four or five years by running running a camp, you know, um, and just coming up with different ways. Me and Coach Saunders at Belmont Abbey. Like we we ran the camps for Coach Taylor, you know, um, which like I said was was great. You know, we'd have a league camp and we we'd run that. So uh, it's it's a good experience. Whenever you get a chance to to coach like that, um, it's always and and obviously once you get older, once you know you're able to to run camps and and kind of see what works for you and all that. Uh, it's always a good so, experience. Yeah, to I know do you that. were the head coach of the development team when you were at Belmont Abbey. You had ten players that ended up shooting up the varsity. How rewarding is that? And how how much did you learn from a head coach that's helped you be a better assistant coach? Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. That is an awesome question. So. Um, when I first, when I first, uh, got the Belmont Abbey job, I had my first year, um, I had, I had four, I had five eligible players. Um, and like the only, the only way I knew how to do things was from coach miss my head coach. And so, you know, I literally just—it was kind of kind of crazy. I literally did everything that we did when I was playing, um, and then obviously my last year being developmental coach, it really at that time it was a it was a program. You know, we had a team my first year. Like we had we had five guys, but at the end of my my sixth year, I really felt as though like it was a basketball program. Um, and I made a ton of mistakes. That's the great part about the position I was in was, like, I made a lot of it. give you an example, um, I practiced 6 a.m. every morning with that first, with my, in my first year, 6 a.m., just so I can go recruiting in the evening after varsity practice. And I'll never do that again. And that's some obviously I I would yeah I wouldn't have known that my players would hate me and I would I wouldn't I would hate them because I couldn't get the best out of them either you know but I wouldn't I wouldn't have yeah. known that if I didn't have that experience you get what I'm saying um, and so and that's just one example there's there's a ton of other things where all that all the all the head coaches I worked under really gave me the autonomy to make decisions the everyday decisions you know um, you have those 
tough talks with players because I know there's some first-year head coaches that have never sat down a player and said, hey, you know, you're probably not going to play here. You know, if you really want to play, you have you probably need to go somewhere else. They, they haven't had that conversation because they've been an assistant for, you know, X amount of years. You get me? Um, whereas myself, like, I was able – I'm able to – I've had those conversations before. Um, I've, I've, I have my coaching voice. They always say, you know, you got to get a coaching voice just because if you're assistant, obviously the head coach usually is running practice. Um, but I have my head coaching voice. I've, I've done all that, and I, it's a great testament to the, the developmental program. And I've recruited. I know what guys, you know, fit – in the system that I would run, um, and I know the type of guys that would succeed in it. You get me? So it's very – that experience, I I wouldn't trade for the world. Um, and in terms of it helping me be a better assistant, I'll never forget – this was under Coach Unger. So there was a guy we were recruiting, and I was just kind of – I wasn't sold on him. I wasn't sold on him yet, and I told I told Coach Hunger, I was like, hey, Coach, like, this dude's good, but I think we can get better. I think we can get better. And so Coach Hunger came to me, and he was like, okay, then then who you got? Like, who's what player, what player do I need to see that you feel like is better? And I sat there. I was like, I, I really don't have anybody. And so I literally sat and he told me, hey, come to my office. So I sat in his office and he said, and this is a lesson I still kind of go with today, is like he said, hey, he's like, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe you don't think he's good enough. He's like, but if you don't think he's good enough, then you need to have a player that you feel as though is better than he is. <laughs> don't tell me he's good enough. You know, tell me you got this guy that's better, and I'll determine that too. But don't tell me he's not good enough if you don't have somebody on the back burner ready to roll. Um, and so I took that and kind of in the game planning side of things, it's like whenever you're trying to, even in huddles and things like that, I had Josh Gross who was, he was, I guess you can call him my assistant JV. He really helped me out with JV um, one year, and now he's an assistant at at Belmont Abbey. Um, he was so good at not just telling me the problem, but having like solutions to the problem. You know, like, hey, coach, we can do this. You know, since they're switching everything, we can rescreen or we can we can do different things. You know, so it wasn't just like, hey, coach, they're switching. Well, well no crap. I mean, I know they're switching. Like, what <laughs> What should we do about it, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's one That's one thing I, I, I noticed as a, as a head coach of the developmental team that Josh did really, really well um, that I figured I need to start doing more to for my head coach. You know what I'm saying? Where instead of being like, "Hey, coach, we need to we need to do this change," you know, having a reason and have something to back it up, you know, whenever you're whenever you're suggesting something or or what have you. 
So, but again, like the developmental team, like that was to me that was my my best years. Like you know, I I loved I loved coaching those guys, and you know the fact that ten of them were moved up and you know were able to kind of make some type of impact, whether it be a practice player or you know actually get in the game and play. Um, and different things like that. That's that's literally what that's what I wanted it to eventually become, um, and it it got there. It got there later. It took a while, but it got there awesome. uh, within a couple years. Which when you good. got hired from St. Mary's, you know it was last year. You were promoted quickly to Dobo. Did you start off as a graduate assistant? What I can recall. Yeah. I'm a little hazy. At at Mount St. Mary's? That no, yeah. No, so I um no, I went straight into um being the the Dobo um at, at Mount St. Mary's. So um I know I've known Coach Miller, Matt Miller, I've known him since my McDaniel days. So he was he was a a head coach at Churchill High School. And his team was supposed to come to our team camp. Um, and so, obviously, I was hitting everybody, everybody, every head, high school head coach that I could ask him about the, the team camp. Um, and he was the first person that signed up. And then he left and went to Shepard to be an assistant. And so um, – which was which was fine, but we just literally we kept in touch, kept in touch and everything. And then um, their dobo at Mount St. Mary's left, and it was kind of random again. Like um, I was in a hotel room recruiting in Atlanta, um, and Matt called me. I want to say it was around like seven a.m., seven eight a.m., um, and I. Thank goodness I had an 8 a.m. game, <laughs> you know. Um, so I was I was literally up and, and about to get on the road. And he said, hey, you know, we have a Dobo position, you know. Um, would you be interested in, in applying for it or would you be interested in getting and being the Dobo? And I, I pretty much said, yeah. I said initially I was like, absolutely, yeah, but, you know, it was a is a little bit weird situation because I wanted to I didn't want to not be on the road like that part I didn't like but I did um, I did want a different experience you know being at Belmont Abbey for six years was awesome but again like I was I'm I was still I wanted a different experience as well and so. Um, it kind of everything kind of happened quick. Like I met with Dan, who was recruiting in Atlanta. Um, I met with him, went out to lunch with him, and he said, "Hey, like I want you to come up on Tuesday." Um, you know, went up there Tuesday. He offered me the job on Tuesday night. I was driving back. He offered it to me. I told him, "Hey, I got to think about it and, and everything," and um, you know. By the grace of God, it it all worked out, and I came up to the mountain. So everything, 
literally everything happened so quick. It was, it was like bang, bang, bang. You know, it was one thing after another, and it was, it was. Like I said, it, all this stuff, all my whole journey. There's no way. I'm very um, faith centered. Like I, I'm very faith centered, and all this stuff. Like I, I couldn't do it without God. You know, he, he kind of. I have him guide my ways and then pray about it and hopefully uh, making the right decision. And it's been, it's been a great it. so, decision so far. Kind of pros so. and cons as far as, you know, you're not on the road recruiting, you're not on the floor coaching, you know, how much more admin stuff did you learn how to do being the director of basketball operations? Um, I actually, I learned a ton and and the reason I say that is because like I at Belmont Abbey and you know this from being at Division Three like you're an assistant coach but you're also the ops you're also the academic advisor like you're doing all that stuff anyway. Um, whereas you know when I when I got in the ops position, um, I was in charge of travel and and all that stuff, but. Dan, the way Dan does it, um, and he told me this on the interview process, and this really kind of tipped me over the edge in terms of taking the job, was um, he treated me as kind of a fourth assistant coach in terms of like, I wasn't able to get on the court and I wasn't able to um, necessarily get on the road recruiting, but he would always ask me my opinion on you know, game planning, you know, my job as the ops was the personnel. And so I was literally um, making scouts on all the personnel, you know, and then working with Coach Miller hand-in-hand, Matt Miller, because he was a defensive guy. And so we're literally, we're in the same office throwing ideas off of each other, you know, hey, this dude can really shoot it, so we got to, we got to be attached to his hip if he's coming off a down screen or this guy can't shoot so we can literally be in the paint. So there's all different stuff. Um, And then with recruits, like I really took pride in, you know, when the, when the assistants got the kids on campus, like that was, that was our time to shine. You know, that was our time to, to get it done essentially. So I was in charge of, the itineraries, making sure everybody's in the right place, making sure, you know, all the questions are being answered in terms of, you know, meeting with the president, meeting with the academic advisor, uh, meeting with her compliance director if he needed, if he, if they had any questions with that. And so, um, you know, I kind of took that role as like, hey, if, if I'm able to make an impact, um, I might not be on the road recruiting, um, but I want to at least when they do get here, like, you know, we're, we're getting it done, you know? Um, and then obviously Dan and Matt and coach Miller would, would ask about different guys, different guys recruiting, like, Hey, what do you think of him? You know, what do you think of this guy? Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of kids in, um, in Georgia, North Carolina, just from being down there for so long, um, Matt would ask, he'd be like, hey, do you have this coach's number? 
instead of searching and trying to figure it out, like I had the number, had a relationship with them already just from recruiting down there so long. It was easy, like, hey, here's his number, good dude, um, you know, I know him really well. You know, I I couldn't make the phone call, but at the same time, I was able to kind of forge relationships that I, just because I had been an assistant coach down south for so long, I was able to kind of help with relationships and get That's um, a kid or two. Coach, so who were some of your other coaches that you on for advice, you know, over the years? Yeah, so first first foremost, Coach Stephen Miss, he, that's my guy. Um, there's, there's a certain bond between head coach and player, and obviously we have it. And um, I talk to him about a lot, not just basketball stuff, but um, just life in general. Um, him, all of my coaches at Belmont Abbey, Coach, coach Jonas Hayes, he's – He's now at, at Xavier, and, my, again, I talk to Coach Hayes just about once a week. Like, he's an unbelievable mentor of mine um, who's kind of been been in my role, you know, um, starting at Belmont Abbey and then kind of working your way up as well. So, uh, Coach Hayes, Jonas Hayes, Jason Williams, who Jason Williams recruited me. He saw me. I played in the Capitol Classic. Um, and he saw me there and just kind of got the ball rolling. So I've known all these guys, those three guys, I've known since I was 17 years old, <laughs> you know, which is crazy to to think about. But um, those three for sure. Um, Ryan Saunders, like Ryan's been uh, unbelievable. Like I've I've worked I worked with Ryan at Belmont Abbey, and I talked to him and we throw stuff off each other in terms of ideas all the time. Like now he's, he's a head coach at Converse and I'm like, so I'm really happy for him. Um, but I talked to him cause he's, he's been through it. Like obviously he's, he's kind of stayed in division two ranks, but he's a unbelievable coach. Um, coach Taylor as well. Like I, me, me, Saunders and, and Coach Taylor have a group chat, and they've been very helpful for, in my growth as not only a basketball coach, but you know different aspects of my life too. Um, and I'm really, really thankful for those guys. And then, I've, although me and Dan, obviously, I've just started working for Dan um, at Dan Engelstad at Mount St. Mary's. He's He's been unbelievable to work for, and now, you know, we're we're starting to get get it rolling a little bit at the mound, and um, I obviously still bounce stuff off him as well, and and all that. So those are those are guys, again, that are quote unquote in my circle. That I like if I'm making a big decision or something's going on in my life, then um, I'm calling them first, <laughs> you know. Um, for advice, just to talk, um, anything like that. Those guys, you know, I can, I can count on them being objective, and but also um, they know me. You know, they know me well. So, oh, that's great. You need guys like that. If mm-hmm. uh, when Xavier has a, an opening for special assistant of a head coach again, I might have to give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs>
<laughs> so, you know, you guys had a, a tough season. You know, you guys slightly improved. Like you said, it's, it's a process. How were you guys able to keep the guys in the locker room all together and not lose the team? Um, I think I think a lot of that goes to, um, you know, everybody understanding it's a process. You know, like Rome Rome wasn't built in one day, and um, at at Belmont Abbey it was very similar. Like, you know, it was it's a process. Very very rarely are you able to, you know, get there and automatically you win twenty games. Like that's that's really um not tough it's I, I should say it's tough to do a and b um it's very unheard of nowadays just because everybody's transferring and and all that stuff too you get me so um it's very difficult so i think you know keeping the guys level-headed and you know everybody understanding like it's a process and not getting too up you know, when, when we won, when we're winning a couple games but not getting so down when, you know, we've, we've lost a couple games as well. And um, now those those freshmen and sophomores that, we've ha- that we had two years ago, um, now they're juniors, you know, now they're juniors and seniors. So um, hopefully COVID doesn't put a hold on, on the season or anything, but, um, you know, as with with any level, like older guys win, you know, and we're starting to starting to get a lot older, and guys are keep are they're becoming more of a team that are self governed than you know us, you know, governing them. I guess um, they they kind of keep each other accountable, and the the guys that have been here now for for two years under Coach Dan. Um, they're really starting to take ownership and, and starting to, um, you know, keep the younger guys accountable and bring them up in that way too. So I'm excited. I think, you know, we haven't been able to get on the court with them yet, but hopefully we will soon. And um, I'm excited to, to hopefully get it started. So Yeah, and, you know, it's such a special place. I know that everyone who's either played there or coached there speaks so highly of it. And, you know, the way you guys have recruited, you guys haven't really had that panic button, let's go JUCO, let's go all grad transfers. So, you know, I think that you guys definitely have to Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. And, like, the the Mount is is a really special place. Like, that's – I will I will say, like, it's a basketball school. You know, I growing up from the area, obviously, or somewhat in the area, you've – you've heard of the mount and everything but now that i've now that i've worked there like there's no football there's no volleyball you know you're not competing for gym time like that was one thing at Belmont Abbey like we had you know so many sports you only are able to get in the gym you know a couple couple hours a day you know or it's or it's got to be early in the morning or late at night but at the Mount, like, there's no – you're not competing for gym time. Like, you can practice, work out whenever you want. There's a practice gym, too. So you get – you have two two gyms and, you know, administration, you know, wants us to be good. So, um, you know, it's, it's – it is a very, very special place. And, 
the alumni really show support as well and, and all that. So, you know, for a relatively coach, I know you've, you've done a ton of recruiting. What's one of your craziest recruiting stories? Oh, wow. Um, one of the craziest recruiting stories. So I would say, and this is crazy just because looking back at it, like we didn't get the kid and, and all that, but, um, so I was, I was worried. I will, I will leave out names and, and all that. <laughs> so, um, we were, we had two bigs. This is when I was at Bell and Abbey. We had two bigs that, um, that we liked, we liked a lot, um, and one of them, one of them was Mike, the guy I was recruiting, another one was, um, Coach Saunders, his guy, and we're, like, this is the only time I think me and Coach Saunders didn't see eye to eye on a recruit, <laughs> in the, in the five years, or however many years we worked with each other at Bell and Abbey, this was, like, the one guy, and so, um, and we were going back and forth, going back and forth, and coach at the time was like, "Okay, we'll go with, we'll go with Matt's guy." I'm like, "Okay, cool." And so I drove, literally all the way up. This is, I want to say it was, I went all the way up to Alhambra, um, and I'm driving. I get a rental car, Tyrone Shed friends works at the enterprise in uh in the airport and so um i go there i i usually i'm just getting like a a full-size car i'm six five i'm a big dude i can't get in a, a compact car <laughs> i need a full-size car right and so i get there and the guy's like hey take this um it was a armada I forget, I forget the brand or whatever, but it was it was a jacked up Armada, and this car is nice, got all the bells and whistles, all that stuff. Um, and this is this is early. I want to say it was early March. It might have been like second week in March or something like that. Whenever Alhambra was, um, I'm driving from North Carolina all the way up to Frostburg State, Maryland, and I'm driving up there and. Everything's good. The kid's good. I think we got a chance of getting them. And so there was a on the way back, there was a game. I think the game was at, I want to say it was like 6 p.m. And so it ended around 7.30. Obviously, the games are delayed. I don't get out there until probably like 8, 8.30. Um, and it's a snowstorm. Like, it's snowing like crazy. I'm in this nice Armada, right? It's got the the gas mileage range on it and all that. And of course I'm pushing, I'm pushing the gas mileage. Like I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to get the, as much as I can before I get the gas. And so I don't know why I did this. Right. But the game in at eight thirty, I wasn't going to get a hotel. I was going to drive all the way back to Charlotte, North Carolina and get in at, I think it was like 5 a.m. And, you know, I just fall asleep then. I might have had something to do when I got back or something. I can't remember. And so I'm driving on, I believe it was Route 70 or 81. I can't remember. And 
it's snowing like crazy. Snowing, I'm on the hilly roads, going up, down, up, down, all that stuff. And I completely forget to look at the gas, the gas thing, right? And it says, okay, you have five miles, five miles to get to a gas station. And by this time, it's like 10 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock. And so I'm so I'm I'm ner- I'm getting nervous. I look around, right? You know, I'm on the phone, all doing all types of different stuff. I'm in the middle of West Virginia with five, literally five mile range of gas in the middle of nowhere, and it's in a snowstorm. So I'm going. I get off the nearest exit, right? The gas the the um, gas stations closed and by this time like the thing is blinking like it has zero gas <laughs> on it it's blinking it's blinking and like I said I'm in this nice armada super nice and I'm like oh crap and so thank goodness I was at a top of a hill right and so I kind of just glide I glide onto the the highway and you know how your car runs out of gas, the uh, the steering wheel locks. And so I'm going down this hill on this on this mountain in West Virginia in a snowstorm with zero gas. And so I'm I'm riding. I'm I'm just kind of I'm nervous as I don't know what. And so I'm going down this hill, kind of verge off into off this exit and lo, lo and behold there's a gas station right to the kind of the right of the exit and so I'm able to literally just kind of glide right into the uh the gas station I don't get to the tank I have to get out the car and push it myself in the snow right push it to the gas uh whatever the gas station pump and then I fill up on gas the whole rest of the way I'm sitting here like literally I could have been stranded in a snowstorm in West Virginia in the middle I don't even it was in the middle of nowhere West Virginia um just to see this kid we didn't end up getting him we got Saunders guy (laughs) and ended up being pretty good but that was to me that was uh, I was I was very very nervous. My phone. I think I had full strength on my phone, or it, it wasn't that uh, dramatic. But uh, it was something like you see off in a movie where it's like, you know, the dude gets stuck on the side of the road in a snowstorm, <laughs> you know, and ends up freezing yeah, to crazy. death or something like that. So, <laughs> I don't know. You know obviously, I, for a lot of people that you, yeah. you got to win the weight. Uh, I had heard that from a volleyball staffer at Ohio State. I think you won the offseason. You got bumped up to a Division One assistant coach, and you recently got engaged with the love of your life. What's one word to describe your offseason? Um, I was I would say I would say uh, a blessing, no question. Like it's been um, it's been it's been a crazy offseason in the sense of all this stuff going on in the world. Um, but definitely, definitely, like I said, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it without God. Like I, there's no, no way all this stuff, 
like it's completely out of out of my control um most of the time besides the engagement obviously but um again like if if you didn't bring Melissa in my life I wouldn't wouldn't have uh wouldn't be engaged right now so it's it was it's been definitely a blessing and um you know can't can't wait to see what what God has in store cuz again like I had my plan like I had everybody has their own plan and and all that um but I never I never would have thought I'd be you know engaged to a, a wonderful woman and then at the same time you know living out living out that dream my professional dream as well you, you know, know she coaches so. basketball on the college level as well first how did you two meet and then second how have you two made it work um so we we met through mutual friends um kind of in the coaching world a and then b um we're, we're making it work right now i mean it's it's been it's been a challenge obviously being uh being say like five and a half six hours away from each other but at the same time um you know I trust her. She trusts me. And I think, again, like, we we continue to try to put God first um, and kind of just lead our lead our steps, lead our lead what we do. And then that, that's kind of what I what I told her is like, hey, you know, we just need to do this and continue to put God first and then he'll lead our way. Like, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, and it's good to have a strong Christian woman too that you know doesn't isn't like oh shoot like well get so worried about every little thing you know and you know it's it's been good and then we we kind of we came up with like there's a halfway point between us two which is about two and a half three hours from both of us depending on traffic um and and for us it's Lexington Virginia so um, that's where, you know, if if we have an off day on Sunday or something like that, both of us, then we'll kind of leave Saturday night and spend all day Sunday with each other in Lexington and spend time with each other and and all that and and kind of kind of go from there. So we make it work, and um, you know, it's been tough for both of us, but you know. It's been uh, it's been good as well, and obviously the the quarantine the quarantine really helped, <laughs> you know. Like it really uh, the quarantine for most people has been like oh, and for me for both of us too. Like hey, like we gotta we gotta get out the house and get out. But it's also given given us an opportunity to you know be with be with each other for more than you know three, four months at a time, which is, which is interesting. It was, it was different, but it was, it was definitely good. You know, this is the segment I call start bench cut. I give you three things. You start one, mm-hmm. one, and cut one. Nike, Adidas. On- okay. Oh, I'm a, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a start Nike. Bench Under Armour cut Adidas. We were we were Under Armour at at Mount St. Mary's, but I'm 
I still, I'm not a, they haven't converted me yet. Even though we get so much Under Armour stuff, it's starting to, starting to change a little bit, but Nike's still, uh, still, still my thing right now. <laughs> okay, Bubble Devin Booker, Bubble Dane Lillard, Bubble Luka. Oh, um, I gotta, you gotta, I gotta cut Bubble uh, Booker because he didn't make the playoffs. You know, like I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm about winning. Um, I'm going to, ooh, I'm gonna bench Bubble Luca and then start Bubble Willer. I'm, a, I love Dane. Me and me and my boys, we have a. We have a like a ongoing discussion. Who's better, Steph Curry or Dame? And so like we go back and forth. We have one dude. Obviously he he went to Charlotte Christian. He's a he's a big time Lillard. I mean a big time Steph Curry fan. And then we have some other people that are Lillard's fans. So we talk about it all the time. But Lillard, I like I like the way he plays. You know. Um, he, he plays the right way, and obviously Luca's a close is close too, um, but Lillard has been doing that a lot longer. Okay, uh, blue chips. Who got game above the rim? Uh, blue what was that first one? Blue chips. Okay, um, I'll say I say start. He got game. Bench, blue chips, and cut. Uh, what was the last one? Hoop dreams? Rim. Cut hoop dreams. Above the rim. Above the rim. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cut okay. above the rim. This one, I know they got a couple locations in Lexington, so you, you should know all these. Cookout, Chick-fil-A, Bojangles. Oh. Oh. I, I, would, I would have to say... You gotta, you gotta start cookout. Gotta start cookout, cause you can get, you can get a lot of food and a milkshake. Bojangles, Bojangles is. There's not a lot of Carolina, so I kind of miss Bojangles a little bit. The Cajun fillet biscuits always good, so. Yeah. Last one. Hoop dirt, verbal commits, transfer portal. Huh. Hmm. I think uh I think I'll I'll start I'll start verbal commits just because verbal commits has literally changed all of recruiting like completely in terms of like there's no there are no secrets anymore, which for us it kind of sucks at times. But um, you know, it's helped it's helped us a little bit too. So verbal commits, and then hoop dirt, bench hoop dirt, and then you know, uh, cut the transfer portal. The transfer portal just makes it not saying it makes it so much easier, but dudes that guys that don't work. You know, like they just get on there and they'll just hit everybody up, and which is, I mean, which is fine. Like I get it, but 
it just makes it makes it so much easier to transfer nowadays and I don't I don't th- I think you guys stick it out. Everybody kinda goes through um rough rough patches and that transfer for just makes it so easier so much easier to to say I'm out instead of just kinda working working through things. So I gotta cut the transfer portal. I'm with you coach. You know, before I let you go, um you know and you've shared advice in the interview, but, you know, one bit of advice for coaches trying to uh, get into the business and work their way up, and then who are three guests I have on the podcast? Okay. Um, first thing first thing I'll say, and I'll kind of tell a story behind it, too, is if you're a, a young coach, um, even Division Division Two, Division Three coach, um, go to – Go to like practices. You get me like that. Literally, and I, the story is, I was I was going to recruit in New Jersey a kid that committed to us at Belmont Abbey, and on the way to Jersey, I passed through the mount, and so I called I called uh, Matt Miller up. It was like, hey, you know, I'm passing the area. When you guys practice? He said, oh, we practice at 3.30. I said, okay, perfect. You mind, like, me coming by, checking you out, this, that, and the other? And he's like, absolutely. He's like, come by anytime. And, mo- and most coaches, like, obviously you got to have some type of relationship with it, but most coaches, if you ask them to come to practice, like, and you're a coach yourself, yeah, that's for you to come. Um, and literally that, that kind of started – like unannounced to me, right? I didn't, I didn't know this, right? But that kind of, I met. That's the first time I met Dan. Um, that's the first time I met Coach Holland, who's the associate head coach, one of the best X's and O's skill development just coaches in general that I've met. Um, and I knew Coach X from recruiting a couple of his guys at Paul the Six. Yep. And now he's at obviously JMU. So, like, I knew two of the guys on staff. I didn't know the other two, but I met them before. And so, when the position opened at the mount, it was an easy phone call. Dan knew knew who I was. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I don't know this dude. You know, me and Dan, me and Dan talked at his practice, and he asked, hey, what do you think of this? You know, what do you guys do? All that. And so not only are you getting the professional development side of things, but also, you know, you're meeting different people. Like I I would have never met Dan prior to me, you know, meeting him in Atlanta that time if I didn't go to that practice, you know. Um, so I would, if you're a younger coach, I would definitely, you know, reach out to Division One, Division Two, Code, whoever, um, just to say, hey, like, can I come by, check you guys work out, you know, bring a notebook, write some things down, because I know Dan, myself, you know, a lot of other coaches, are, they're going to ask you, like, hey, what did you think? You know, they're not just going to say, hey, thanks for coming and be out, you know. They're going to ask you, hey, what would you think? What do you guys do? You know, all that stuff. And so it's a good networking thing, selfishly. And also, it's a good way to 
again, develop yourself uh, personally as well. Um, and so I, that's one piece of advice I definitely give uh, to younger coaches. Um, the three people you – I think you should get on a podcast, definitely – Definitely Ryan, Coach Saunders, Ryan Saunders. I think he's not only is he a great coach, but like he's, he'll be his, it's his first coaching job, A, and B, he's in at Converse. He has to literally start the program from scratch. And so it's a very unique opportunity for him, obviously, and then Converse too. Um, and, he, you know, he, again, like, he's a really good, knowledgeable coach and somebody that, like, I really – I talk to all the time and I admire. Um, number two, probably um, Coach Hayes, because Coach Hayes, in terms of recruiting, like, he's he recruited me and he's got, like, just a draw about him that he just draws people to him. Um, and I think he'd be he'd be great for you to talk to and kind of bounce ideas off of recruiting wise. Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know, what are some what are some best practices that you do? Um, and then lastly, probably I, I have to say I have to say this, or you know, once this gets published, I'll I'll get I'll get a slap to the head. But my my fiance <laughs> Melissa, she. She's a great coach, and she's she's worked her way to to wake, and um, you know she has a lot of good things to say. And uh, again, she's she's my fiance, so I gotta I gotta say that too. <laughs> hey, well, if Coach Hoover keeps stalling, then yeah, I'm gonna I'll, I'll go to your fiance. So I hope Coach Hoover. <laughs> we were supposed to do like a week and a half ago. She's like, I'll let you know. I know schedule's kind of crazy. So I'm I'm still yet to get from it. Yeah, yeah, hey, right, especially now, like it's a really, it's a very uh, interesting time, just in all of college athletics, you know, because you know kids are getting back on campus and everybody wants to jump the gun and work guys out, but but you also got to be safe and and knowledgeable too. So I can only imagine as a head coach, you know what all the meetings and all the different stuff they're, they're going through and, and all that. So. Oh, absolutely. Coach, you know, if any mm-hmm. listeners want to get in touch with you as far as social media, email, like what's the best way to do that? Um, yeah. So my Twitter and my Instagram is at coach graves underscore three Oh one. Um, again, at coach graves three underscore three Oh one. Um, and then my email is m.a.graves at msmary.edu. So either one, I'm, I'm pretty good about getting back to whoever reaches out. Um, and if I don't, then I will at some point. Um, but, but yeah, any, and again, my, I'm, I'm very thankful. Obviously you asked me to be on and, uh, this has been fun. So. Uh, I appreciate your time, Coach. And, uh, hey, anybody who can outlook for me, I would love to have on the podcast. And, uh, you, you get in the <laughs> Man, I, I was pissed about that for like a month. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and uh, congrats to you, man. Congrats to you on a new job. And, you know, I know you're going to do really well. Coach Ridge, 
does a great job. We, I used to play. I used to play at Davidson Community College all the time, JV. So I know they used to whoop our, whoop our butt. All right. So I know. I know the program he runs, and he's he's a very good coach. Well, as soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm gonna. He's tried to call me, so we've been texting a little bit during the interview. So that's. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you better you better get back on that. <laughs> tell, tell him you're talking to me, so you're good. You're okay. good. All right, coach. Safe travels, my guy. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, coach. All right. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe leave reviews, and rate five stars.